Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Beck Antonucci. She is an emotional well-being coach for women, a podcast host, and a embodied female thought leader. Welcome, Beck. It is so amazing to finally have you here to get this done. We've been trying. <laughs> we've been met with technical difficulties, scheduling difficulties, but we've been committed to the cause, so we're here, and I'm happy to be here. Ooh. We have, and I'm very happy to have you here as well. So as mentioned, Becky, you are all of those things. You're also a mentor and the founder of the online group program, True Transformation. How long have you been an emotional well-being coach, Beck? So I have been doing this work as in serving clients from essentially the start of the pandemic. I've been studying this work for about 12 years. I never got into it to deliver it to clients. I got into it for my own personal benefit. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. But since the pandemic kicked off, that's when my business started. Excellent. And so what exactly is and what do you do as an emotional well-being coach? Mm, So I support women to connect to their deepest truth. And then from being able to hear that, because I feel a lot of women at the moment are really disconnected from our deepest truth and our desires. And we've spent a lot of our lives trying to achieve something that society told us would really bring us fulfillment and happiness and acceptance and praise and validation from the external world. And we go out and we work because we're very smart, driven, independent women. And we go and achieve these things and we get to a point where we're like, that's not even making me happy. Why am I doing this? And so the work is to really connect that woman back to herself because I, I'm not here to guide a woman's life in whatever way I think it should go. I'm here for her to guide herself on her unique path. So we connect her back to her deepest truth. And then we do the work to cultivate both the courage and the worthiness to be able to go and activate her voice and live out her most fully expressed life. So I, I don't it. focus on confidence. Some women come to me and say, I want to be confident just like Becca Antonucci on the internet. I'm like, <laughs> There's lots of brave, fearful things that I did with a lot of courage and a lot of worthiness before that became a confident action. So that's really the work that I do. Love it. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own personal struggles and journeys before making the leap into coaching. I mean, fuck, we've all been through our shit. This is life. And we all go through our own struggles and our own shit as human beings. But what I found though, is that for a lot of the women that I speak to who are coaches, their personal struggles were the catalyst for jumping into the coaching world and becoming a coach. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey and struggles before you made the leap into coaching? Yeah, my journey started, and I would really agree with that statement, by the way. My journey started in high school. I went to a prestige all-girls school and I was bullied by what felt like the entire year group. And when you're in a prestige or girl school, popularity is the pinnacle and the beacon of success. And when you're not the one that fits in, that can feel really all consuming and very, very painful. And it was an incredibly painful time for me. It brought up, it created a rejection wound within me. I had a deep sense of not belonging, feeling like I'm unsafe in this world and that I would never find a place in the world where I'm safe. I attempted to take my own life. And then after that, yeah, hard. And I'm so grateful that social media wasn't around back then because I'm like, if I went home to my mobile phone and then a post went up that I knew was about me, even though it didn't have my name, I just think it would have destroyed me. I don't think I would have made it through, to be perfectly honest. So, but I did. And I'm stronger now because of it. But then I went out into the world and obviously you're a little girl 
or a young teenage woman not really understanding the pain that I had gone through, not understanding the fears that were created from that five-year experience and not realizing that I was just searching for safety in this world. So I went and got a boyfriend. Obviously, I created a belief system that women are dangerous. They're going to emotionally hurt me through words and that's going to physically pain me through them, my actions. So I went and got a boyfriend, fell madly in love with him. Two and a half years later, he assaulted me with a closed fist, knocked punched me in my head, knocked me unconscious, and I'm 19 now. And so at this point, I've been bullied by women and now assaulted by the one man that I've ever been in love with. And so now I'm deeply fearful of the whole entire world. Like, where do I fit in? Why am I not good enough to be treated right? Why can I not just be accepted, liked, loved? Is it because I'm not pretty enough, blonde enough? What is it that's bad about me that has had these things occur? And so, again, just searching for safety, I decided to join a gym because I thought if potentially if I look really strong, maybe people won't hurt me. When I got a personal trainer, I became very obsessed with my diet plan. I'm 19 years old and my body radically transformed and changed. I looked like a little fitness model. I had a six pack and everyone in this very, very busy gym started being very nice to me. And I became really addicted to the validation of everyone knowing my name, everyone being kind, everyone liking and loving me, everyone inviting me places, adding me on Facebook. And people will say this is a vanity metric, but it's not. This is a scared 19-year-old girl feeling very unsafe in the world, having people now finally acknowledge and praise her. And so that created a very big addiction to disordered eating, dieting, fitness competitions, restrictive eating, And that was the better part of a 10-year journey. I mean, this could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that was, again, a very painful and tumultuous time. And I didn't understand what I was running from. I didn't understand why I was taking these huge, massive actions, whether it was my body or some kind of diet or the exercise that I was doing. But finally, at 25, I left a partner and slept with a friend who told me that he was STI-free and he transmitted the herpes virus to me. And that was probably my... That was my rock bottom. That was like, oh, my God, the one thing that made me feel safe in this world was my appearance, and that was the part of me that people would praise, and then they'd either feel like they're not good enough around me or they want to be my friend or want to date me, but either way they were not trying to hurt me, and now that felt like it had been ripped from me and I felt super unsafe in the world, and that was basically my rock bottom to find myself again. Jesus Christ, that is, what a hell of a journey. You mm-hmm. are an incredibly strong and resilient and courageous woman, truly. Thank you. Thank you. And it is a lot for someone to, when I think about, like now I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. It's like, but then I'm like, hold on, that was a 15, like a 14-year young girl up until 25. That's a lot to navigate in 11 years. That's a lot. For sure it is. Absolutely. The ups and downs, the roller coaster of that, the the lows, the high, like, mm. holy shit, just incredible. And also not really understanding anything about shame, anything about the subconscious mind, not feeling like there was a safe space to really communicate what was truly going on for me to be able to unpack it. Like, I didn't know oh, my God, I just really wanted friends. I wanted to fit in. I wanted the girls to like me. I didn't want to be yelled and screamed at. So there was nowhere where I could go to say that because there was so much shame that that wasn't happening that I would kind of push it down and just like pretend, oh, I'm fine. Oh, my parents told me to be the bigger person, turn your back and walk away. But there was no place for me. I'd even been to a few psychologists with my disordered eating and they just weren't people I resonated with. There was no safe place for me to really unpack what my true human experience was. So yeah, it was really hard. So how did you finally pull yourself out of that? You hit rock bottom with that last incident and that was obviously the catalyst where you thought, okay, some something's got to give here. I got to shift things. And so how did you do that? How did you pull yourself out? Well, to be honest, that rock bottom was also my savior from the disordered eating. Like food and exercise was consuming my life in a really painful way. And so when the herpes virus happened and I do a lot of meditation, I love to connect with God. I believe it's a power outside of me that reminds me of the power that exists within me. And so I was sitting on the beach and I was like, how has this happened and what do I do next? And I heard this voice, you can say it's my higher self, you can say it's God consciousness, whatever you believe in, but I heard this voice saying, Rebecca, when are you going to learn to love yourself from within? And so that was kind of my awareness moment of like, I know what I have to do, but that feels really hard. Are you sure I can't just go to the gym and get a good body? (laughs) That feels a lot easier than, than doing that. And I also had a deep desire to be an entrepreneur. 
And I knew that all entrepreneurs do professional development and personal development. And I knew that they all had coaches. So not even for my own acceptance yet, but just for my desire to be an entrepreneur, I thought I'm going to start doing these courses that entrepreneurs do because, you know, that's how I'll become successful and then I'll be good enough. But it was in these rooms that I was attending, these workshops, these seminars with lots of like-minded people that were in these really safe spaces where people were divulging the truth of their human experience. I mean, I even remember the first one I went to, and it's not even a course that I really would say is a great. I wouldn't even recommend it to someone. But I remember seeing this woman and actually this man, they just seemed so successful. They're about 20 years older than me at the time. I was 25. And they looked like they had everything, the cars, the business, the houses, the family. And behind closed doors, they just shared that they feel like empty shells of humans. They feel so unfulfilled. And I remember sitting there, never having ever heard anyone ever speak like that ever before. And I thought to myself, oh God, I don't want to wait another 20 years to figure that out. They've got everything that I think I want. And they're still feeling like empty shells of humans. And that was my almost inspiration moment of, wow, I've never heard people speak like this. And I just became addicted to personal development of just look at all these people just really being truthful about the pain that they're experiencing. Maybe I'm okay. Even the way that I got into that room, at the time I was dating this gorgeous blonde guy. He was a boxer. He was just, you know, aesthetically, he's a beautiful person in this world. And I told him the truth. I was like, I go through a really hard time with my body. And he said, yeah, I used to have that back. And then I went to this workshop and it helped me. I think it'll help you too. And just seeing someone that I was like, he was blonde. He was a Thai boxer. He had this ripped eight pack. He was just so gorgeous. And I was like, you go through that as well. And I think that part of our ego can really convince us into believing I'm the only one. And I was so young at the time. I'd never learned or studied any of these things. That As I immersed myself into these communities and I started hearing the truth of other people's experiences, it started just to plant seeds in my mind that there was possibility for breakthrough for me and that I'm not the only person that goes through these pains in life and that there's a way out if I'm truly willing to go within. And so how would you say then these experiences have helped shape the back you are today, both personally and professionally? Mm. I mean, personally, when I think back to being bullied in school, I still think now I would much rather be bullied than be the bully. And there was a part of my personality that just wanted the perfect life and the perfect body. And I don't know if I would be that kind of person if I had just been given, you know, my ego's perfect life on a perfect platter. And so I definitely think it has humbled me as a person. It has definitely made me more inclusive as a person. It has given me a voice in, and for me, breaking free from herpes stigma and shame, it's kind of like I've gone through a breakup right now with someone that I really love. And when I'm in uh, a hard point of emotion, I call them waves, And my ego mind likes to trick myself that that's the way forever. It's kind of the weapon in my back pocket of like, Beck, you got through disordered eating, like 10 years of disordered eating, and you broke free from herpes, stigma, and shame and talk about it publicly on the internet. You, my love, can absolutely get through it. Like you can get through this right now moment. And so for me, it's become just this like stake in the ground, golden ticket in the back of my pocket just to remind me in down times or more challenging times that I can do the hard thing and I can make it through whatever I'm navigating. And then professionally, you know, it's something that has gifted my business in such a beautiful way. I closed down my active wear just before the pandemic. Just before the pandemic, I had started speaking publicly about the herpes virus. The pandemic hit And I really thought to myself, what am I doing next with my life? And I knew that I was brilliant at facilitating this work. And so many women started coming to me and my business, it was like the path of least resistance. It just started flying. You know, I put a lot of work (laughs) and effort into it, but also it just was the most easeful, natural thing. So it's created a lot of trust and a lot of rapport and a lot of peace. I get hundreds of messages every single week. Even now I'm like, I don't need to talk about herpes anymore. Herpes is meaningless to me. It's like, I have herpes, I'm in Bali. It's the same neutral energy. <laughs> yeah. people, you know, there's no energetic charge. There's no pain. There's no shame there. There's not even like a deep sense of pride anymore, except for when I'm referring to the golden ticket. Like, just remind yourself, Beck, once that was very hard for you. But it has, you know, women message me and there can be such painful messages about their depression or their suicide ideation that for me, it's something that I can't stop doing. 
because I can do it so powerfully and I do it so uniquely in comparison to other herpes advocates online that I'm just so grateful that I can be a voice for it because at 25 I was searching for a woman like me and she wasn't anywhere on the internet and now I feel such a deep sense of pride and peace that other women can find me and use me as a permission slip for themselves to find their own breakthrough. Love it. That that's so powerful. It's just become part of who you are because of what you've been through. It's it's bred into you. It's part of your DNA now. Yeah, and I mean, it was honestly that like I can't resonate with the pain that I was in then, but it was so painful. It was like it was just a constant siren in my mind all day long. Like it wasn't I'm very pro natural health, so it wasn't physically present anywhere in my body. And that was my confusion. I was like it's not here. It's not here. But this siren just screaming at me and just saying the worst, most nasty, awful things about being unlovable, undesirable, just all of this noise. And to finally be able to frame my mind from that siren is incredibly liberating. And women and men really deserve to receive that. Love it. What would you say then was the biggest or the most valuable takeaway for you from all of those experiences? Oh, 100% same thing every time. Always say it. Avoiding emotional pain will only further manifest more pain into your physical reality. So I didn't know that I was running from a rejection wound. I felt it too embarrassing to say, hey, I wasn't included in school. I didn't fit in. I was bullied. I just wanted to be accepted, liked, loved. I wanted my best friend. It was my best friend who turned on me and turned the entire year group against me. I just wanted her. I loved her. I wanted her to be my friend. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be good enough in their eyes. Yeah. I wanted to be invited places. That felt too embarrassing and too shameful. So I ran from it. I won't be all the things I used to scream at me. Got the boyfriend when everything happened that he did to me. Oh, I'm too, I was too embarrassed to admit that. But yeah, he hit me and I just feel really unworthy because of it. I feel really embarrassed and ashamed. So then I'm on the treadmill at the gym. Must not be those things if I'm just beautiful. There must not be and kept going. Came back from overseas, from the Philippines with a horror overseas breast surgery. Literally, I could have gone on one of those TV shows called Botched. Yeah. And to me, every time, like it's God saying, come on, Rebecca, your appearance is not going to be your savior. But I really thought it was fake boobs will, will fix me and make me happy. The, like, And every single time, the more that I ran from it, the more painful the thing that happened that occurred. And then herpes was so loud. Like I believe that I got tapped by the universe slapped by the universe, hit by the universe, and then like Matt struck to Two the Two by face. four at the back of the head. Yeah, <laughs> two by four. And that was herpes. And that was the point where I was like, I can't avoid any of this anymore. And now I have to look at yeah, it. You have to face it. Have head to. on. Head on. Fucking warrior. I love it. <laughs> now, I want to talk a little bit about the coaching industry. With you being a coach, I would love to hear your thoughts on the coaching industry currently, the the current state of it. Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that I've had many conversations with multiple women who work in the industry, and some of them, they don't even like to use the word coach because Mm -hmm. they think there's such a bad rap or a bad association when you use the word coach. They prefer to use mentor or guide or things like that because of the rap that the industry gets. What are your thoughts as a coach on the industry and where it is right now? I mean, I'm not attached to what anyone calls me. Even I've worked with so many coaches who are like, what is my title? I'm like, I don't care what my title is. I just know what the client is coming to me for. And really they know me as Beck. The industry, I mean, I'm very grateful for it because I can deliver the work that I love to do. I think, you know, personally as coaches, mentors, guides, whatever you want to call us, we're very, very lucky in the way in which we can deliver our work. And it really requires the human to be in deep integrity because it isn't regulated. You can just do whatever you fucking want with a client, to be perfectly (laughs) honest. And as with any single industry on the planet, there is incredible people in it and there are not very good people in it. I mean, I have had arguments with doctors about the incorrect information that they're passing on to women about the herpes virus. Obviously, I got so into it. I've studied it for a long time. You know, there are bad doctors. There are bad surgeons. There are bad restaurants. There are also amazing doctors, amazing mental health nurses. There are bad podcasters, amazing podcasters. So, Ultimately, I don't have a problem with it because it allows me to deliver what I love to do. And there are a lot of people out of integrity. There are a lot of people now that are seeing the the money that can be made within the industry and have got into it for the benefit of profit. And that's personally what I don't love because I got into the industry 
naturally it became my journey. And when it did, everyone's like, of course, Bex a coach. Whereas now there are people like, oh, a lot of money can be made in this space. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to monetize my social media audience. I don't know how in integrity those people are. There's some work going on right now where I know, yeah, just a group of humans who I have seen the behind closed doors of these people. And there's some very out of integrity things that have incurred in their lives this year that I'm curious if they would be okay with the public knowing that those things had happened. Whereas for me, every single part of my life that happens behind closed doors, if it came out to everyone, there is not anything that ever happens at any point in time that if anyone knew that I would be like, no, no one can know that. I'd be like, yeah, that. Whereas there has has been some very big things with some people that are running and supporting groups of humans that I'm like, there's some stuff that's gone on that you don't want the world to know. And that is you out of integrity. That is you not being able to support humans. And that's the part that I don't like. That's more what I was referring to is the fact that these coaches who are getting into it for the money and then promising their clients, oh, I'll make you a six-figure coach or a seven-figure coach or whatever it is. And it's all focused on that. And that's all they give a shit about. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a little bee in my bonnet over coaches, coaching, coaches, coaching, coaches, because I think it's very easy to sell dollars online. If you pay me 10 grand and I'm going to make you 100, of course, you're going to be like, here's my money. But for the product that I am delivering is supporting women to connect to their own truth, love themselves, express themselves powerfully. I'm not here selling money to people. And Yeah. yeah, I think there's always in every single industry people who are going to be out of integrity. I have worked with an, a Mexican mentor and an American mentor, and the two of them combined cost me just under $100,000 in a year. Mm-hmm. And both of them, yeah, I was so upset with myself. Very, it, And that was a real – and it was hard to run my business powerfully when I was so disappointed. And over the course of nine months, I didn't feel like I was any further ahead in the way that I delivered my business, but I had invested – seriously into these people and put my trust into them thinking that they were going to set me up for success in terms of my systems and processes and yeah for me now it's like and for any person thinking about investing I just think we get to do our due diligence seriously take our time with big decisions make sure the person is actually capable of delivering on what they're committing to read through the contract and set very very clear expectations from the get-go so that you set and manage yours and theirs because yeah there's good and bad in every single industry for sure would you suggest for people looking at approaching coaching and, and looking for coaches to reach out to previous clients of coaches oh i mean if you're into i mean there should be testimonials online for sure right. And yeah, do the due diligence. Ask, I mean, my most recent nervous system coach that I'm working with, she's a nine-month minimum container and it's not a small investment by any means. And I said to her, I'm really nervous about investing. I've been done over by two coaches in the past. I know that that was business, but I feel like this is a massive investment again and I just don't really feel like I'm there to do that again. I've lost my trust. And she said to me, Beck, I'm not here to force you or pressure you. This has to feel good for you as well. But here are three of my most recent clients. I know that you know them, which I do. And she said, they have said they're more than happy for you to connect with them and just ask them a few questions about their experience. And I thought to myself, you know what? I am going to do that. And so I reached out to all of them individually and said, do you have a few minutes? I'm thinking about working with so-and-so. I'm a bit nervous about the investment. It's quite yeah. big. Also, the American exchange rate is really shit for Aussies. <laughs> yes, so it's like, a shit for a, us too. Yeah, it's a massive <laughs> investment for me and I'm a bit nervous about doing it and I don't want to enter a nervous system container in fear. <laughs> and yeah. so it was actually those three referrals, me doing that due diligence, that had me lean in with more ease. And also the other thing mm-hmm. that I want to say on that, she sure. didn't force me to sign up with her. And a lot of my clients have said that too. Some of my clients who reached out to work with me three years ago have now leaned in three years later and they said it was the lack of force. Like if a client just, I'm not there to like sell to them. If they're just like not ready, I like to honor them and also leave the door open that if they ever feel super cool, my door is always open for them to come into my world. And I think that speaks volumes. I think the coach just wants the numbers on the table versus the coach that really gives a shit about the client, there's a very big difference. 
Absolutely. Beck, what excites or lights you up or is the most rewarding for you about the work that you do with your clients? Mm, Seeing women just breaking free from whatever they think is holding them back and seeing them express themselves courageously in whatever their unique self-expression is. I am not like my most recent mini course is called The Fully Expressed Woman because I love seeing a woman in her full self-expression. I think it's beautiful. I think it's sexy. I think it's magnetic. It's like when you see someone that isn't like, quote, unquote, a good dancer, but they're just like you can tell that they're in their body and loving it. And you're just looking at them like you look like you're having the best time and I want to join (laughs) you. You look like you don't give a shit. That to me, a person embodied in their full self-expression just lights me up. And, yeah, that's. People are like, oh, you work on herpes, blah, blah. It's a part of my work, but really it's a person breaking free from that wall and giving themselves full permission to be themselves in this world. I think that's the best part of it all. On the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts of the work that you do? I mean, I don't find any of it challenging. I just wish more people would lean in. It's, you know, my kind of client probably isn't immersed in personal development yet. They're curious about what I do. But when they're investing, they're sending this like stranger on the internet money. Like, is she going to close down her laptop and just drink cocktails in Bali and never open, never even have a call with me? And so I think there's a resistance to leaning in. So there's nothing that I don't love. I would just love more women to know that once they commit, and once they lean in, that there's so much just beauty available on the other side of that decision. That is so powerful. You know, you're trained in multiple areas and modalities. Can you speak a little bit about these modalities and how you incorporate them into your work with your clients and give us a brief overview of your approach when working with clients? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So I always, I've been doing this work for what, 12 years. Last year, I did a master coach certification. So the somatics, NLP, trauma therapy, inner child work. I really just love to get to the seed of where the pain occurred because for women we can be so surface level it's like oh I'm shit in relationships oh I have herpes oh I whatever the thing is but for me I love the iceberg analogy of seeing what's at the top and then going to the root and then from there doing the work to really get the woman in touch with her body as well You know, I think a lot of coaching has failed us up until now because it can be so mental. You know, we're mindset coaching everyone, which definitely has its benefits, absolutely. And then we're missing a really big piece. Women are disconnected from their bodies. We are disconnected from our sensations. We are disconnected from our desires. We're overriding our sensations with our mind. We're trying to like cognitively do something that is against what our body is trying to say. So my work is about going to the root, going to the sea, and also getting that woman connected with what is occurring in her body so that she can actually see how she's showing up to life. Yeah, getting more aware of what is happening in her body and then moving stuck and trapped energy, like any painful event that we're going through, any forgiveness process that we're navigating, it's also attached with a big somatic piece so that the energy that is stuck that's trapped inside, we actually move it through and create space for more to come in. Now, you're an embodied female thought leader. I assume that you work with a lot of professional women around leadership, thought leadership, mindset, as you just mentioned, is part of it. What makes a successful thought leader, in your opinion? I think being who you are in the public eye and behind closed doors, no matter what. Yes, you get to keep your sacred information sacred. But if there is just something that you don't want the world to know and you're saying that you're this like embodied, self-expressed, authentic person, I just don't believe that to be true. Like 100% respect people's sacredness for their life and everyone doesn't need to know everything. But I really feel if there's certain parts of you that you're not being truthful about, then I do not believe that to be embodied at all relationship coaches that have terrible relationships, body positive coaches that have an awful relationship with their own body and food. Just we have to be able to practice what we preach and be true. Like it just allow yourself to be a human and allow others to know that you're human just the same as them. We get to take absolutely mentors and masters off pedestals. No one is better than anyone. I actually think the most powerful coaching-client relationship is when the two see each other as equal. I chose my nervous system coach because I see her as an equal to me, not better. Well, she can learn from you as well. It's a, it's a two-way street. You learn from each other. 100%. You're right. 
coaches, mentors, all of these people need to be taken off the fucking pedestals. There is no reason to put anybody on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. We are all at the same level. We are all equal. We're all human beings. And Mm -hmm. that's all there is to it. We all have our struggles. We all go through our shit. A hundred percent. And just just because you've been through the struggles and you've come out the other side of a particular struggle or a few particular struggles does not mean that your journey's done. You're going to have other shit that you've got to struggle through. The journey's not over, period. Mm-hmm. Life right? will always, like, I said this in my in my opening calls for the ladies this week, I'm, like, I'm not here to support you to create this perfect life where nothing rocks you because I don't know if if you're trying to reach enlightenment maybe that will happen and then I don't think you'll actually exist on planet earth being a human so as long as you're here as long as you're a human life's going to continue to life and the part of the work is actually resourcing yourself so powerfully that when life rocks you you're like this doesn't feel great right now yeah and I'm resourced from within to be able to support myself in a more powerful way through the experience that I'm navigating What's the process in your mind that best supports leadership development? Having an incredible leader as your mentor. For me, I found Alexi Panos online maybe 10 years ago and something within her just like resonated as such deep truth for me. And then through meeting her, I met her now husband, Preston Smiles. And for me, he was just an incredible leader, like a big brother figure, but also someone that embodies the same values as me, someone who is living the kind of life that I desire to live, someone who calls in incredible community, someone who is very expressed. So being led by someone who is embodied in your values, who can mentor and guide you to the place that you desire to go, I think that is like invaluable invaluable, invaluable. I think every every leader, every mentor really gets to be led and mentored by someone else. Absolutely. Because again, it, it goes back to the fact that we're here on this planet and the journey is never ending. We never get to the end. There's always work to be done, always. Mm-hmm. And it's continual. You have to continually work on yourself. So yes, coaches need coaches. Mentors need mentors. It keeps going on down the line. You never stop learning. Mm-hmm. If you stop learning, you're done. Mm-hmm. I agree. What is one tip or takeaway that listeners can implement immediately to start stepping into and embracing their inner leader and start owning their shit? Mm, Yeah, just asking yourself every day, what am I avoiding? That's always been the question that I ask. And I actually interviewed Alexi the other day. And the question that she said that she journaled on for a year is, what is it that I'm pretending to not know? Which I thought was a really powerful way to ask that same question. So really getting very clear with yourself like what is it that I am avoiding maybe from my past maybe from my present but I think any leader asking themselves that will bring up a lot of truth and call us forward into a lot of integrity powerful I want to speak a little bit about women in entrepreneurship and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses in terms of how it's evolved and how it's continuing to shift and evolve now how do you see the evolving that's, uh, that's occurred since you first got into entrepreneurship. Do you know what? My answer a month ago might have been very different. You know, in mm-hmm. this breakup, I'm really sitting and spending a lot of time with myself questioning what I really want for my life. Why did 25-year-old Rebecca want to be an entrepreneur? Why am I such a fierce go-getter? Why does a lot of my time get spent working? Is that really what I want? I love my work. I love it. And as I've been in Bali and I'm, you know, they scoot around, I'll see a dad with his little girl and she'll have this little helmet on and it'll just light me up, just instant access to joy. And I've been thinking about like traditional masculine feminine roles in, and dynamics in relationship. And I even had that incredible episode with Alexia. I just feel for a lot of us women, we have been so hurt that our independence has become a protection mechanism. And so I'm just getting, I don't really have an answer for you right now because yes, I think it's so great. I think women are so smart and we can do it all, but I'm really starting to question are all of us who are doing it all, do we really want to do it all or are we doing it all to keep ourselves safe? That kind of like, I can do it all myself. I don't need a man. I don't need a man to provide for me. I don't need a man to take care of me. I've got everything. And I even went for dinner with three male friends the other night and they're super, like, very successful men, businessmen. And they said to me, Rebecca, I don't care what she does for a job. Like, I want her to be happy. But I don't need some, like, fierce, independent go-getter. They're like, we've gone on dates with those women and we kind of sit there and think, 
there's nothing that you want from us and we desire your nurturance and your love and your care and you've kind of got this big wall of like armor up and you've also armored yourself with money and success and online validation and this Instagram channel. So I don't really know my answer to you in this moment, but I think it all comes back to we get to get very clear as women where our desires for independence and this mass amount of success is coming from to make sure that it's coming from a pure, beautiful, integral place and not from protection. That's my answer right now. All right. I love it. Are you seeing a shift then in terms of more women making the jump into entrepreneurship these days as opposed to when you first jumped in? And why do you think that is, if so? Uh, I think there is a lot of online conversation. There's a lot of people living lives that maybe you're sitting there in the office doing a job that you don't love and you're scrolling and this person's in Bali and they're having a watermelon juice at 12 o'clock and I'm sitting here looking at my boss. I can't believe I'm here doing this work right now. I, <laughs> what, like, what else is possible for me? So I think seeds of possibility have been planted into people's minds for sure. I think people are desiring to be able to live and experience life more and entrepreneurship can be a really great catalyst for that. I think when we have traditional J-O-Bs, there's kind of a ceiling over our head in terms of income. Maybe I can get a five grand pay rise this year and a 10 grand next year and eventually there's going to be a stopping point to that. Whereas in entrepreneurship, kind of the sky is the limit and there's no ceiling on top of your head. And if you really believe that abundance is infinite and we can all call in as much or as little as we truly desire, for anyone that's desiring a bigger life, and I'm sure there are many of us, we're realizing that traditional jobs, traditional, the way that our parents told us would be the thing that would keep us safe, protected and happy is not actually a path that we desire to walk down. And I think women, again, I'm just going to keep coming back to, I think we have been hurt. Our hearts have been hurt and creating that independence has created a deep sense of like pride and worthiness and strength. And then also it gives us access to be able to experience more and more and more of the world. So yeah, women are jumping in because we do deserve to live big, beautiful lives. And maybe the way that we taught just wasn't working anymore. I don't think it was. I mean, there's all the societal conditioning, parental conditioning, you know, girls are meant to to sit there and look pretty and not speak up. And da, da, da. if a woman is speaking her mind and let's use a corporate job as for example if a woman is like very forward and pushes her agendas in the company she's a bitch she's a bossy bitch or she's this or she's that and like all of these things it needs to shift it needs to change yeah and we all get to have a voice is just the yeah. only thing I have to say in, in any domain whether it's a corporate job where whether it's life in general people want to feel like their voice is worthy and safe to be heard. And if we're contending an authority figure, that my voice is still equally as valid and worthy as yours just because you have some kind of authority over me in your opinion doesn't make your voice mm -hmm. more worthy. Maybe what I have to say has a lot of value and can impact a lot of people within our company powerfully if you were yeah. to listen. And I think it's Absolutely. sad that people feel like they have to fight for that. What advice then do you have for women looking to grow either their own business or within a company that they work for? Within a company, I'm probably not the person to ask, but your <laughs> own business. I mean, I think number one, if you have a desire for it, you absolutely have got to go for it. Like I had that dream of my active wear from age 19. I in ended up with a factory in China. Originally, I was manufacturing in Indonesia and I still feel a deep sense of pride that I did it. It taught me so many lessons. I think my fallout with my business partner and our company that broke down was more valuable than any kind of uni degree could have ever been for my life and really set me up for success in terms of being able to run my coaching business from day one with so much ease and grace and profit. And so number one, you just have to jump in the deep end. Like I see so many people that are just getting ready to get ready that buy all the courses, <laughs> buy all the equipment. Like uh, one of my clients, she wants to start something and she just went out and bought like every single bit of tech that you could ever buy for like this professional thing that she thinks she wants to do. And I was like, I created a successful coaching business off an iPhone, a Mac, laptop, Word, an email, nothing high tech. I didn't buy any of the bits. I just did the thing. 
action is way more powerful than you going and getting all the stuff and doing nothing. So you have got to just get in the game and take some aligned action. And my other thing is having a job whilst you're working for your mission is not anything to be ashamed of. It's something that I really see so much power in when I had my active wear. I was like, this is my dream. I'm not working at J-O-B. Nothing is meant for me. I mean, I used to spend hours on Seek and be like, nothing here is for me. And then when I had my active wear, I was like, that is going to be my thing. And then I got myself into so much scarcity that I was like needing to sell the leggings. So then when my coaching business took off, once the pandemic finally, like the non-essential started opening again, I remember Gary Vee saying something really powerful, which is go and do a job that you know, like the back of your hand that pays you the most amount of income per hour that you don't have to put any mental thought into that you're not thinking of once the doors closed. And that for me was Pilates instructing. I knew that I could do that with so much ease, have so much fun, be immersed in community, open the door, motivate these women, close the door and walk away. And so whilst I was building my business, I set a target. Until I've earned my first $200,000 in a year, I'm going to keep teaching Pilates so that I know that my rent and bills are paid. So every single client that I signed, it was never, oh, my God, I need you. I need you to pay my rent. It was client, celebrate, success, amazing. I'm still cared for no matter what. And that, I really feel, propelled me to create my business faster. And then after nine months, I thought to myself, I don't need a job anymore. I can actually truly look after myself. My business has proved to me that she is sustainable and creates the same recurring income every single month that I'm cared for and I'm taken care of. So that to me was like a powerful, to begin with, there was like a part of my ego that thought, no, I will not get a job. And through the scarcity that I went through in the active wear, I saw the value in it. I love that getting ready to get ready to get like, there's always the excuse. I can't do it yet. Now's not the right time. I'm not ready. You're never going to be ready. There's never a perfect time to do it. Oh, so many of my friends that want to start podcasts and they've got all the equipment. I'm like, have you recorded a podcast yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all the equipment isn't going to record the podcast for you. No, you have to jump in and do it. All the equipment. I'm going to, whatever it is, all the stuff. I'm like, you just... You don't, don't actually need all the stuff. You don't. You absolutely do not. I started mine with an eight-year-old MacBook that I had and a shitty little headset with a microphone attached to it that I got for my corporate job and a free Zoom account and just jumped oh, in. Yeah. You just got to fucking do it. I love it. That's just- it. You have to. You're right. The equipment is not going to do it for you. You can have all the bells and whistles in the world. It doesn't make a lick of difference if you're not using it. <laughs> Well, the thing is as well, you're going to learn in the face of your action. Yeah, your first podcast might not be great, but I'm sure your hundredth one will be incredible. And so we, everyone gets really attached to, you know, women come to me for confidence all the time. But again, it's a brave, courageous, repeated thing. And you taking that aligned action and seeing who you become. My mental person always says people want to skip the awkward stage, the part where people are like, These videos are so annoying. Like you have got to be, you've got to be in the growing pains of your business where you're in the awkward kind of adolescent, you know, maybe you've gained the puppy weight or your teeth are Mm -hmm. bark or you, you know, we're all going to become the swan, but you got to start as the duckling. Exactly. I compare it, you use my photography business as an example and, you know, jumping in and I, photography is my first love and my first passion. And so when I started my business, I would go back and look at, images before I started my business that I shot maybe 10 years prior or 15 years. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I actually thought this shit was good. It's horrible, but it's part of the growing pains. It's how you grow. And that also having the self-awareness to do that, to go back and look at it, helped me overcome my competition mindset. I was in a huge competition mindset when I first jumped in. I was always comparing my work and myself to other photographers and all the things. But when I started to think about it in the way that, you know, my only competition is me. That's the only person I have to be in competition with. As long as I can look back and see that I've improved, that's all that fucking matters. I don't give a shit. There's more than enough work. There's more than enough money out there for everybody. I don't care what industry you're in. But do the fucking damn work. You have to start. Otherwise, you're going nowhere fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was saying this to the ladies the other day. I think that was my biggest downfall in my 20s. I would see the top of the mountain. I was obsessed with seeing whatever was at the top, whether it was success Mm -hmm. or the body or the boyfriend. But the first three steps, I was like, boring. 
not good enough. <laughs> Only the top of the mountain. So I was just trying to rush there and try yeah. to six pack in six weeks or million dollars in five minutes, you know, and every time, like any time I rushed for anything, I'd always end up 10 steps behind. And that was, again, my lesson actually in those two mentors last year. I thought to myself, my entire time with my coaching business, I've always said I'm going to learn the lessons that I made in my 20s so that I don't play them out in my 30s. And in my 20s, I was trying to rush. And if I take slow steps, like one foot in front of the other, we really don't see the value in consistency. So I was trying to sprint everywhere. But just walking would have actually got me there so much faster than the attempted sprints because I'd burned myself yeah. out. And that was, again, my lesson last year. I was like, why was I trying to go somewhere so fast? Because my current success has been in that one foot in front of the other every day. Consistency creates excellence and incredible results and a deep sense of self-trust. And I also now see the value in step one, step two, and step three being just as important as the top because there's no milestone without every single stepping stone in in the in-between. Well, I think that speaks to societal conditioning in terms of everyone's looking for the quick fix or the magic bullet or the easy way to do shit. There is no easy way. There is no magic bullet. You have to put in the work period. There's no way around it. You cannot get around it. And if you think you can, you're fooling yourself. Mm. Yeah. All day long. I'm going to, I have to go back and listen to my first podcast. I haven't, I've not done that. I have to go back and listen. I'm sure they're terrible. I have to do that now. You, you brought do that up. I got to do that. Celebrate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> good. I love it. Beck, what do you think the most significant barrier to female leadership is? Our worthiness believing that we're good enough to do the thing. Obviously you are a huge women's empowerment advocate and a voice for women. So with that in mind, what do you do to empower yourself? Mm, surround myself in like-minded community of people who I love and trust and people who I can be my full self with. I bring all of myself to them. I am really committed right now to my unique path of aliveness and alignment so really getting really deeply connected with my own desires. I was looking at my life and my partner's life in Perth and feeling like one of us had to dishonor our own timeline to live on the others. I was feeling very global and he's very anchored to Perth. And so just continuously committing to taking courageous leaps, even when it hurts, even when it feels really bad, leaving my partner felt really hard. But also knowing that being in Perth when a part of my truth was saying to me, you're not totally fulfilled here and you're not meant to be here right now. That felt like I was self-abandoning every single day. So staying committed to my unique path and being willing to do the hard things no matter what. And then I do lots of things that light me up. I treat my body really well. I go to the beach every day. I connect with God. I, yeah, I deliver work that I love. I create content that I love. All of those things do all of that for me. Speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Mm, what does that word mean to me? Just being so, for me, empowerment is being willing to be yourself, being willing to be myself, being willing to do on a day what I really desire to do, say on a day what I really desire to say, request what I desire to request, really get in touch with what my own unique desires for my life are and feeling worthy enough to be able to go out and pave a way to make those become my reality. That to me is what empowerment is. I want to speak a little bit about your podcast. What inspired you to start your podcast? And can you share with us a bit about the podcast, the title, what it's all about? Is it interview style, solo, a mix of both? Yeah, it's called Raw, Real and Vulnerable. It's been in my mind for a really long time. And I finally launched it last year. I think we're up to mm -hmm. maybe episode. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Weekly episodes every Monday having raw, real and very vulnerable conversations. It's a mix of both. It's usually two solos and then one guest. However, in the breakup, it's been lots of guest episodes at the moment just because I'm like, I'm too emotionally turbulent right now to record a podcast episode. But it's amazing. I have the most incredible guests, incredible thought leaders from all around the world. I get really spicy on there and just all the taboo conversations that society doesn't really allow us to have, we get to bring to the table and it creates a lot of 
freedom for women it creates plants a lot of deep seeds of thought into women's minds to be able to look through the lens of curiosity and maybe see their life in a different way yeah it's everything is welcome there's lots of incredible conversations obviously there's lots of herpes stuff as well it's not only herpes and it's fun it's fun it's sassy it's funny it's raw and real what was the push then for you to finally take the leap and do it you said you've been thinking about it for quite a while what was the push? I had all of these things. Around. I don't know how to do a podcast. I don't know how to do the intro beat. And so then I was like, okay, what do I know to do when I don't know how? Get support. And I had had this woman in my group program and she was starting her own female business and she was going to start a podcast agency. I said, and she just told me, I was like, that's amazing. I actually am looking for someone to support me. So I started with her and then something occurred where she was like, I'm so sorry, Beck. something's happened within my family. I'm putting this down for a little while. I'd love to refer you on. I was like, no, no, it's okay. Open my Instagram. The very next story was a past client of mine saying, I'm starting a podcast agency. So I was like, that's really funny because a woman that I was working with literally just said she can't work with me. Started there. And then I started working with a business coach and her podcast team came on my path. And I was just like, they are the who's who of podcasting. They know how to do it. And I said, I want to launch podcasts and I want to launch it really well. And so they took me on as a client and we've gone from there. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? For the women that resonate with my voice, I am such an activator for them. There's something about me that just like my energy will just push into them and they, in the time that they're working with me, truly believe that they can go and do the hard, scary thing. And it's just so natural to me. When I was a personal trainer from 21, people, I didn't realize I was essentially life coaching them then. I, they, I thought they were coming to me for the lunges. They weren't. They were coming to me for me. They would come. They would leave. They would have the best day ever. They would bring me their problems. We would navigate them. And they would just feel so empowered. And I really believe it's that activator energy within me and the deep sense of belief that isn't blowing a firecracker up your ass because I won't lie to people, but it is a true deep sense of I see you and I believe in you and you can do it, that that fuels women with so much confidence that they can go out into the world and do the thing that they're desiring to do. Kick ass. Awesome. I love that. God gifted it to me and I'm like, thank you, I'll take it. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? You know, if you asked me three years ago, I'd been like a podcast and a book and this amount of income in my business and this amount of staff members. And now it's like mm, being deeply in love with myself and my partner, creating a life that is really led by both of our desires, creating a beautiful vision for the future, for myself, for him, for our family being surrounded by an incredible community of humans who I love and care for deeply and who deeply love and care for me, doing kind things for others. Like I think in my ambitious quest for independence was a big protector strategy and I realised, oh, I lost that part of me. Like if it was your birthday and you're my best friend, you would wake up one day and your room would be filled with balloons and cupcakes (laughs) and your favourite gifts and your favourite breakfast and I would do it not for your validation or anything. It would just bring me so much joy to do that for you. And I think in the pains of being hurt by people, I lost touch with that. And so for me, success is bringing those parts of me back and being able to pour so much love into others and them pouring so much love into me. Love it. There is such joy in making other people happy and and giving to other people and seeing the happiness that that brings them. It's an incredible feeling to have impact on another human being. Mm -hmm. I agree. It truly is. I don't think there's any better feeling in the world. Mm, I agree. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? Hmm. Preston often says what is most personal is most universal. And coming back to the herpes virus, I didn't, the voice that told me that I was the only one, I really believed it. Like I was sure I am the only beautiful woman in Australia to have this thing. And he would often say what is most personal, Rebecca, is most universal. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. And then when I finally took the leap and did the jump, the amount of me twos that came back, that it just was like, (laughs) How did my mind ever convince me? Like I did, like I believed it to be true that I am the only one going through this experience right now. So my life has changed now because when I am navigating something and I think that, that I could attach shame or embarrassment to it, 
I remind myself if I am going through this, then it's most likely that this is quite a universal thought and lots of other women are going through this in the world. And I bet if I give this a voice, it's going to create a lot of permission and space for my own acceptance and others too. That's a big mindset shift for sure and take a lot of work to get there. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think the we require evidence to be able to continue to do the thing. So for me, the herpes virus is just so much evidence that yeah. I've got it in my back pocket now. The disordered eating, when I was sharing about that, again, I thought I was the only one. When women started saying, me too, that was kind of, I didn't realize it was almost like an edging process. It kept stacking on top of each other for me to really come to the embrace to understand, I think I'm the only one going through these things, but others are experiencing it too. We need that evidence to be able to feel safe. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Yeah, let's go. How would you describe yourself in one word? Vivacious. <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Mm, to fully express yourself. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Deep love from my aligned partner. What is your favorite self-care practice? Going to the beach. Aside from necessities, what is one thing you could absolutely not go without? Chocolate. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Wild card. Don't know whatever is going to come out of this bitch's mouth. <laughs> I love it. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Beck, what challenge in your life has shaped you the most? Herpes all day long. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Probably my current excavation around my desires for success and my desires for intimate partnership. I feel after two and a half years with my partner, he came on my path and he's very in alignment with me or my now ex-partner. And because he was so in alignment in so many ways, even though I was like, I was never in a place of, I want a relationship. We dove into the relationship two and a half years later. Now I'm like, whoa, I'm really ready for a committed partnership. And I wonder how do I desire to be held and supported by a man? And where can I put my kind of stake down and let him do the leading? Yeah. How do you celebrate your wins? Hmm. I love beautiful dinners. I love desserts. I love cocktails. I love sunsets. I love going to the beach. I love acai bowls. Quite simple things, really. I see a theme here, Beck. The beach, the beach, the beach. Which is my teacher. I'm like, after this, I can't wait for my beautiful coffee with my feet in that ocean. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> what is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? I love my willingness. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Hmm. That consistency creates excellence, one foot in front of the other, slow progress. There's no quick diet to your healthy body. There is no fad diet to your successful business. You trying to run fast, like that, that sprint behavior is going to put you backwards and then you're going to have to go through the pain and the shame and the investment that you put in. So one foot in front of the other, consistency all day long tops the sprinting. It's a marathon. Don't don't worry about the mountaintop. Take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, I actually just had it the other day with a woman named Alexi Panos because she is really the reason that I am where I am today by her videos gracing my Facebook page and so it was so in alignment and like divinely orchestrated for the time in my life that I'm currently in and someone asked me the other day who's your dream guest for your podcast and I didn't realize it was her but it is her and it's releasing coincidentally on my birthday and so I'm so excited for every woman to hear this episode because oh it's just so good. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? To look at what she's running from. Okay. Lastly, Beck, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Mm. Oh, I think your purpose for yourself in this life is to really connect 
to you and what you really desire and really challenge what it is that you're doing right now and ask why you're doing it. Is it bringing you the joy, the fulfillment, the pleasure, the intimacy, the connection with yourself and others that you really yearn for? And if not, it's time to fucking change and get yourself into community because you deserve to be loved and cared for and others deserve to love and care for you. Beautifully said. What a wonderful way to end the interview, Beck. Thank you so much. This has been an absolutely beautiful, inspirational, amazing conversation. I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here with me today and for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through the beautiful work that you do. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you. Pleasure. And I can't wait to share. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Becca Antonucci. She is an emotional well-being coach for women, a podcast host, and an embodied female thought leader. Thanks so much, Becca. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.